Some movies are highbrow, some movies are lowbrow. Welcome to Highbrow Lowbrow. I'm your host, Josh Kirschenbaum. I'm Cooper Gagan. Each week, we pick a topic and talk about two movies that fit that topic. One highbrow, one lowbrow. And this week, the topic is Body, body Swap. swap. I, I got you. <laughs> I got you, Josh. On the highbrow side, we've got Being John Malkovich. And on the lowbrow, we have Freaky Friday. Uh, Cooper, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about these movies? All right, in Freaky Friday, a teenage girl and her mother are cursed to switch bodies until they learn to empathize with each other. The only problem is that it's the day before the mother's wedding and an important audition for the girl's band. Everyone needs to figure out how to switch back before things get a little too edible. This was released in 2003, directed by Mark Waters, written by Heather Hat Hawk Hatch Hawk. What? H A C H H A C H Hatch Hatch. Hack, right? Oh, that's Now tough. you're doing it. Okay. That's tough. That's just, it's, I feel like we're being really mean. This is already, think, this is already getting off to a rough start. I know. I, I think this movie is really well written, so I feel really bad that we're butchering the name of the writer, too. I know. And it's tough because there's also Leslie Dixon, who's really getting introed real late here. Uh, it's a bummer. Okay. Based on the book by Mary Rogers, which I didn't know this was a book. I just knew it had been adapted into a movie before. Right. And it stars Lindsay Lohan, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Chad Michael Murray, also known as One Tree Hill. True. And, and I just want to Mark Harmon. Because I think he's very good in this movie. And we'll get to oh that yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really good people in this movie. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna have to cut it down. But when we get to the cast, we're just gonna be us geeking out about how freaking great every single person in this movie. Yeah, is. Yeah, I know, right? All right. All right. And then, being John Malkovich, an unemployed puppeteer finds a portal that allows people to inhabit John Malkovich's brain for 15 minutes. He wants to use it to become a famous puppeteer. His office crush wants to monetize it, and his girlfriend wants to use it to bang his office crush. Everyone needs to learn to leave John Malkovich alone. Being John Malkovich was released in 1999, directed by Spike Jones, written by Charlie Kaufman, and stars John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, and Catherine Keener. And John Malkovich. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a big one. Yeah, that's a I, really I big one. I think it. I think he might not have come up in like the top <laughs> IMDb credits. <laughs> to be fair, he is fourth build. I think. Yeah. Which is fair to what the movie. Yeah, is. I usually do like top three. Yeah. But I feel, I feel like we could make an exception for John Malkovich. Yeah. Yeah. We should probably put him in the billing for every movie out of respect. But when I was I was doing a little uh, uh, just Wikipedia research uh, before this, and apparently John Malkovich was very nervous about doing this movie. I could see that. Because, I mean, first of all, it was written for John Malkovich. They didn't mess around uh, with finding a different actor, which is crazy. They just got him right away. Um, and the crazy, so he always, he was like, well, if this movie flops, not only am I in it, it's my name in the title. So that's not good. Yeah. But if this movie really works, I'm going to be associated with this movie for the rest of my life. So it was like this huge risk that he was taking. But he was freaking game as hell. Worked out. I mean, if you're going to take that risk with anybody, you do it with Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman. Right. Who, at this point, this this would have been Spike's first movie and Charlie Kaufman's first movie. Really? I mean, yeah, Spike Jones is a music video director. Well, he did a lot of skate videos. Yeah. He did uh, Fully Flared, which was one of my favorite skate videos to watch. It has this really long intro that's like 20 minutes of just slow-mo without any speeding up at all. And there's a lot of slow-mo explosions. And it's a really interesting stylistic move that it's like pure slow-mo to the point where it gets kind of gets boring and then gets exciting again. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's very, that's very Spike Jones. I mean, he also, the Weezer music video where they're just, they're playing and then just like as they go, it's pretty clear that they're lip syncing and they get more and more obvious as they go on. Uh, the Fatboy Slim video where Christopher Walken is dancing and flying. Yeah. I mean, Spike Jones rule, I feel like, I don't, to me, being John Malkovich is such a, um, it's such a moment of that like MTV alt indie kind of like cool skater, like 
aesthetic. Yeah, because Spike Jones is, I don't know if he was involved in Big Brother, but he definitely is part of like the jackass posse. Yes. He's I, the old man, oh, the old woman. Yeah, and he's a producer on that. I mm-hmm. mean, that's just that, it was that 90s thing. And I feel like this is sort of the end of that. I mean, because then, you know, Spike Jones obviously transitions to doing these more, you know, working with Charlie Kaufman and making these more artistic films. I mean, the Jackass guys, they kind of age out and start doing movies. Except for they're going to do one again. MTV, uh, yeah, and which was should have been out by now. I cannot believe it got pushed to February. Really? I'm really, really Oh, sad. that should have been a holiday release. That was legitimately my most anticipated movie this year. And this movie, this year had movies by two by Ridley Scott, by Wes Anderson, yeah. by a Cohen brother. Yeah. Not both, but one, which is still yeah. a huge deal for me. Yeah. Um, big, big year for uh, sibling duos breaking out because there's also one Wachowski. Oh, that's right. I forgot, I forgot that both Wachowskis, uh, or Wachowskis, I forgot that both of them weren't coming back from Matrix 4. Another movie I'm very excited about. Yeah. And uh, we, when we saw No Time to Die, the trailer for Jackass brought the house down. Or maybe it was just us four laughing so loud I couldn't tell what anybody else was doing. I think it was the men. I think it was all the men. I turned to Jess who was with us, and she, and I think she just looked into like all the men in the theater were laughing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I, I don't understand it because I think every iteration of like a jackass style thing that isn't jackass is terrible yeah no it's because they are actually very smart like the way they make the stunts is smart yeah i remember there's like the one where it's because like bam is afraid of snakes or something like design a stunt around his greatest fear right they put him in a wind tunnel and they he thinks he's just getting hit by wind and they throw him into a cage with the wind and then lock him in with the snake yeah uh that's freaking brilliant yeah it's I don't know. They're just very, and then my favorite one ever is the love letter where it's just the, uh, is written the, on the wall is the Valentine written the wall yeah. and the text gets smaller and smaller. And so they, they lean pun- in and a giant punching glove hits them. I would never get tired of people just can't with giant boxing gloves. Boxing gloves it's, is it's the word. Always works. It's great. Um, so here's, here's a, here's my, uh, very tortured segue back to talking about the movies. Oh yeah. Um, just like, uh, all the jackass imitators are bad. Um, I think being John Malkovich, um, kind of set the tone for this kind of very arch meta surreal kind of like uh style of storytelling. Well, it's really Charlie Kaufman's signature style, right? Because this feels a lot like adaptation. Yeah, and feels a lot like I don't know Eternal yeah. Sunshine. Uh, and I think pretty much every imitator of his has been not as successful. Who would um, you consider an imitator of his? Well, my my thinking of this is uh. A lot of script. I'm, I'm going a little bit inside baseball here for you guys at home, but there's a um, a list of the best unproduced scripts every year called the Blacklist that goes around Hollywood, mm-hmm. and every year there's like a very Charlie Kaufman esque thing on it, and like if those come out, they either are not very good or they just don't get made. And I think it's it, for a while it was kind of progressing to being very much favoring Charlie Kaufman esque, like very arch. Right, and yeah. I I think what people forget uh, about Charlie Kaufman, and what I realized watching this movie is that. Yes, he's very meta, very surreal. Like you mentioned, Adaptation, Eternal Sunshine. Um, I mean, if you've ever seen Synecdoche in New York, obviously it's a yeah. hugely strange movie. Love that movie. But Charlie Kaufman isn't just good at coming up with weird ideas. He's, he's also, also very funny and makes really tightly plotted movies, weirdly. Yes, and it, it definitely, he's, he's not, it, it's my same rant about, you know, writing isn't just coming up with an idea dialogue. It's story and character and structure. And I think Charlie Kaufman is one of the greatest at all yeah. of that. I mean, a movie like this, like being John Malkovich, would be uh, an SNL skit if he didn't have the ability to have draw, draw out these characters and make this really about something emotional and elemental about like being alive right now. Yeah, I mean, no, it's I mean, super impressive. Charlie Kaufman is definitely a 
like virtuoso screenwriter. Like if anybody has mastered the medium of screenwriting for film, at least it's Charlie Kaufman. Right. And it weird another to make a weird comparison. He's almost like uh, Dan Harmon. Yeah. Like Dan Harmon, who has mastered sitcoms. So now all he can do is destroy, want to destroy sitcoms from the inside out kind of, and yeah. like, um, to simplify his whole thing. And, and Charlie Kaufman now is, I think like, if I could intuit what he's doing right now, it feels like he, you know, he did being John Malkovich in Eternal Sunshine, and now he's like, we'll only do things that are really strange. What I was going to say, he reminds me of like Vladimir Nabokov, where he had just mastered the novel so much that he started just setting weird writing prompts for himself, like Lolita. Right. Lolita was essentially a writing prompt, like, can I make a novel about the most unlikable character and get the audience on their side? Yeah. I did not know that. That is very interesting. I mean, I'm sure Charlie Kaufman knows that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Malkovich is great. Um, it's so weird that he's the pick here. I mean, obviously he's like, I don't think his, he, he I think he means the same to the culture now as he did when they were filming this movie, except that being John Malkovich did not exist when they were filming the well, movie. I think he is perfect because of that, his, that nature of him being famous for being a fancy actor Yeah. in things that people haven't necessarily seen. Right. And the movie, I think it, use it very effectively because I think people are attracted, not just to the idea of being someone, which is a, a kind of a super weird thing to untangle, but just because yeah. it, it like the fame, you're somebody. It doesn't matter yeah. that, that they're an actor, but you're just somebody who matters. And I think so much of this movie is about people who feel like they don't matter. Yeah. And being John Malkovich, the action allows them to be someone to, even if it's an actor who they couldn't name one of the movies they were in. Yeah. Well, yeah, this movie gets into something that I was thinking about, which is how much maybe artistic or intellectual success is still tied to your body. Yeah. And how, like how, what, what, what is John Cusack's name in this? Craig, 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 Craig actually has the skills to become a famous puppeteer. He just needs the body of a famous person to be able to do it. Right. He actually, I mean, the movie does make the case that he's very talented at this thing that no one cares cares about. about. Yeah. Uh, You care. You like puppets. I love this. Yeah. I like, I like the Muppets a lot. Yeah, I like the Fraggles a lot. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on the complex ecosystem that is Fraggle Rock. I you got your doozers, oh. you got your Fraggles, you got your. I think they're called Gorkins or something. Oh, I'm running man. on. You set yourself up. The bad person is a giant sentient trash pile. Okay. Her minions are two little rats that appear to live inside of her. Okay. Um, this is all very interesting. I don't know if it is. I don't. I don't know. I was really just trying to piss you off by talking about Fraggle Rock. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a puppet guy. This yeah. is not puppet talk. Um, I, I can't think, well, I guess I just never really grew up like the Muppets were not my childhood thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Sesame Street a little bit, but I just didn't have the Muppets. Uh, so I see puppets. I just think that they're kind of, uh, silly and which is why it's very good for Craig to be doing them. Cause he's this like, uh, you know, he's not like a tortured artist, but like, he's very like hoity toity about it. Well, yeah, it is an art form that is, I guess, kind of left in the past. It is really hard to be respected as a puppeteer which maxine brings up immediately when she just starts dunking on him non-stop yeah uh i love their uh i mean i mean if maxine as a character is so so fascinating yeah that she is just kind of this force of evil but, but in like a very i don't uh, i funny she's i don't really very consistent i think evil is if i can make a very small difference like i don't think evil is quite the word because i don't think she or selfishness yeah it, it, it's like she likes causing harm 
or she knows that like causing harm can help her. Mm-hmm. It's it's strange. Like she's like so willing to just completely dunk on Craig. She's kind of a chaos agent, but she does correctly intuit that he's like flirting with her. Yeah. Whether or not he'd act on on uh, on cheating on Lottie, yeah. know, she very quickly catches on that that's what she's doing, and rightfully kind of rips on him. Yeah. Until he can help her. Yeah, I love the part where she turns on a dime when she finds out that he that he can control Malkovich. Right. It's it's the lines like I he can control Malkovich, I can control him. Yeah. It's so so smart. There's a lot of lines that are very on the nose like that, yeah. but then you forgive it because it you just need to get that out there. Right, cuz it's such a crazy I mean that's the strength of the screenplay is that I mean the dialogue is so like odd and mannered then like when you need to just drop out like an exposition uh, exposition line like that. It just works like the mythology of how the door works of into the door into Malkovich's brain works and all that. Yeah. It's said so matter of factly, but it just kind of lands or even stuff like Cameron Diaz yelling, help, I'm trapped in a cage. Yeah. Which is <laughs> you don't really need to say that. <laughs> uh, she's, she's great in this. movie. She's very good. She's re- I remember uh, I hadn't seen this movie since uh, high school. And um, I, 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 I what I remember the most was. Catherine Keener is insanely good in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think she got a lot of like the the lion's share of like a lot of the award attention. That John Cusack's like pretty good. Um, it's like a, the movie's not really about him by the end. Malkovich is brilliant, yeah. and then that like Cameron Diaz was like you know like she holds her own, but like she's so so good in this movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. It's 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 like a really hard role because you were. I remember her being more of a victim the first time, and this time I think she's much more like in it yeah. in this weird toxic dynamic. Yeah, that reminds me of something talking about how good Malkovich is. I I was thinking about how he's a great choice for this just because he is such a good actor. And this is a particularly hard acting prompt, which is to play somebody else in your body. Right. Which reminds me of what I thought of Freaky Friday, which is that Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis are also doing great jobs at this very difficult acting prompt which is especially impressive because lohan's like 15 in this yeah i think they filmed it when she was 15 16 ish um, yeah it's a really crazy crazy good acting in some some parts she's actually kind of doing a better job than jamie lee curtis um although jamie lee curtis is great i love her right i think i would i wouldn't go that far but i also there's no moment where i was like grading Lindsay lohan on a curve there's yeah. no point when I was like, oh, that's good for a teenager. There's the whole time no. I was just like, I'm she's, in this movie. She's just good. She's selling it as being Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis, though, I think is like, I mean, I'm, I'm trying not to like oversell it, but I think she's so freakishly good in this movie. She's a great actress. Like, like I, I'm watching the scene at the end where it's her, at, you know, it's Lindsay Lohan in her body giving a speech uh, at her wedding rehearsal. I almost cried at that scene. Telling, I... Freaking did. You I mean, did? Yeah. I mean, she telling her, trying to tell her mother in her mother's body that it's okay for her to move on from her dead husband and that her daughter supports her uh, in that context, which, by the way, incredible feat of writing as well to like plot. Oh, yeah. To plot it to that location and to like have all those stakes and to write that speech. And then Jamie Lee Curtis absolutely just acts the freaking shit out of that. I know. It's really good. I know. I texted my friend. I said, oh, my God, I'm watching Freaky Friday. I'm getting choked up. And she was like, at Freaky Friday? I'm like, they just love each other and they want each other to be happy. No, it's good. It it and, and to get into the highbrow, lowbrow of it, like that's what a lowbrow movie like, can do. That's what... The feel-good moment? Yeah. When you're really sticking to the story structure, when you're really bleeding to the moment that you know is coming, Yeah. Uh, you can just deliver like such a great, like, uh, just delight. Like yeah. That. 
Yeah, I mean, to directly compare these two movies, the way it handles the end of the body swap is interesting. Because let's see, how does it end in Malkovich? It's that, oh, there's the, the, vet, there's the whole group of people who want to be in Malkovich permanently, and they force Craig out. Yeah. And then he goes back in, he's stuck in the kid, mm-hmm. which is very dark. Basically a horror movie by the end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I also thought, oh my God, poor Malkovich, because he gets destroyed at the end of the movie. So there really isn't a neat switchback moment, which no. Freaky Friday does have, because you have to have it, because that's what you want the whole time. Yeah. If if we could get very abstract about the theme of it, it's it, Freaky Friday, um, you know, this theme of, you know, walk mile in someone else's shoes, see who they are. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you may see things, you may have more in common than you, than you think, you know, like that, all that theme which i think freaky friday hits again and again really well you know there's so many scenes of just like you know them seeing things from a new perspective seeing mm-hmm. things they wouldn't have seen otherwise whereas um it, it's strange being john malkovich kind of has the same theme but from almost like a predatory standpoint of like i like well, I they never to, learn anything really from being in malkovich they, they all want to become not themselves they want yeah it's like Malkovich. They don't want like Craig doesn't want to be Malkovich so he can be an actor. He wants to be Malkovich so that Maxine uh, will like him, and which is also kind of what Lottie, uh, similar reasons, but also just because she feels like somebody. Yeah, and uh, then yeah, I I have the note that being John Malkovich, it's about being unhappy in your way in your body. It's it's about being unhappy in your body in a way that Freaky Friday is not because Freaky right. Friday, they both want to be in their bodies and they're forced out of it and mm-hmm. they're trying to get back. And being John Malkovich is all about people trying to escape their bodies and yeah. going into John Malkovich, who is just available. Yeah. He's just the guy. Yeah. Uh, and it's not his fault. It, it being John Malkovich is not like, it's not really about being John Malkovich. Yeah. It's well, it's about having John Malkovich's <laughs> body for 15 minutes and what that does, uh, to yourself yeah um interesting thing to notice i'm not gonna dig in too much because it's not my lane but um the scene where lottie first goes in mm-hmm. and she's like so taken by being like in a specifically in a man's body yeah it, at, at first it very much reads as a, as a trans allegory well um, she says i think i'm trans basically yeah i don't think she says that exactly. she says that, well she says i think i'm transsexual which, which is just a term we don't really use anymore right but and she does it, explicitly say that she thinks she's transgender. Right. And the movie hits away from that. I did a little bit of research. I was a little nervous. I mean, the movie does a good job of staying in its land, I think. And and having this sort of representation without, um, you know, speaking out of line. Because, I mean, Charlie Kaufman is a, a cisgendered white man. And I think he knows what he should and should not be able to speak about. Well, I was nervous because 90s comedies have a real tough time dealing with any LGBT plot lines and really has a problem dealing with any trans plot lines. Oh yeah, I mean we've just talked in terms about... of not understanding how it works or anything. oh yeah, or going for the cheapest worst laugh or the most like damaging laugh. Yeah, and um, conflating a lot of groups that aren't really the same thing, exactly. other than just not being straight. Yeah, and I think um, you know, and and you know, to to qualify a little bit, I, I won't claim to be an expert in any of this, but my from what I read and just from doing a little bit of googling, it seems like. Being John Malkovich does good good job of having that theme in there of being uncomfortable in your body, of finally mm-hmm. feeling like yourself, of a lot of these things that can often read as trans allegories and trans stories, um, without making it the focus of the whole thing or without pushing that metaphor too far so that it falls apart. Yeah, and also because immediately Craig has a reaction of just yelling at her, saying she's crazy, but then he is immediately revealed to be a monster. Within maybe two scenes. Right. So the movie definitely positions itself as not on Craig's side, which I was happy for. Right. And then the movie does end with um, 
I was going to say spoilers, but come on, you're listening to the podcast. It, it, get used to it. And uh, I like how now you're berating our audience for I'm kind something of, they haven't done. I'm kind of berating myself too. I'm coming in real hot. Yeah. Um, uh, with Lottie and Maxine, you know, together, right? Uh, it also ends in a, in a lesbian relationship. Although, I'm not going to get into it too much because I don't know that <laughs> much about the topic. But it is, I don't know how the movie is positioning itself with her thinking she's a trans person and then realizing she's a lesbian. It's yeah. kind of like conflating those in a little, in a way. I don't. That's true. I'm just going to say I don't know how that reads. That's true. Because I, I, it, it's very possible if you read, if you follow the metaphor too literally, then it, it maybe it goes into problematic territory. Because um, also then she, you know, she she likes being Malkovich, but then it sort of feels like she just likes the power of being Malkovich. And then, yeah, I don't know. I, I would be very interested. I'm sure it's out there, um, yeah. like a, a reading of the film or an essay of the film specifically from a queer lens. And yeah, probably be um they would probably speak to it better than we have. Honestly, you know, what? let's just talk about things that no one could uh object to Lindsay lohan very good yeah Lindsay lohan she's really good in this movie i mean is this like her first non-disney movie is this a disney uh, movie I, this is a disney movie yeah um which i, I say confidently just because it's on disney plus yeah um i think i mean obviously parent trap was the oh yeah she's younger than that right and then this i think she's in some like did i remember there was in like she had these disney original movies weirdly with, also a tough acting prompt Oh, uh, Parent Trap? Yeah, just yeah, two characters. She came in real hot just playing, doing hard hard roles. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I, but, but I, I feel like people forget how uh, like how talented Lindsay Lohan was in that moment. Yeah, I mean, I think that is also why people fixated on her so much when she was kind of having a tough time. Yeah. Is that she had so much promise and exactly. then went so far off the rails. Yeah, and I don't... Um, y- you know, like that moment with Lindsay Lohan was so... Like it was, she really was like a phenomenon. I feel like um, Freaky Friday was so huge, and then like I don't think like Herbie for fully I don't loaded, think that blew up really. That wasn't really big, but like it was like culturally, people were like talking about it a lot. Yeah, um, maybe because you know it was targeted towards middle schoolers, and I was in middle school at the time. I think Herbie was also in a time period where we were just remaking a lot of kind of seventies properties, and yeah. our parents were like grumping about it and she was in all of them and so i guess it was like she was like the face of like this the new redone generation yeah and I also, guess that's what this movie is too is a 60s movie yeah and then it, it was sort of and then i really felt like there wasn't a lot uh oh i'm fucking we're forgetting mean girls obviously oh yeah that's the that's why that's it's the adult a, well not adult but like you know it, it late only, teens it only comes out i think a year or two after um after Freaky Friday, also same director, uh, Mark Waters, oh. um, who's who's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that that was sort of the phenomena of you get this Parent Trap, Freaky Friday, and Mean Girls of just we basically all grew up with Lindsay Lohan and she just was like so good in all of it. And then obviously, uh, you know, I had a lot of tough time afterwards and it's kind of sort of uh, it's it's not great. Yeah. Speaking of two thousand three, generally as a time period there's a lot of kind of very 2003 stuff in here <laughs> like chad michael murray has a von dutch shirt at one point which i found fun to see and then there's especially this whole thing about remember there was like this resurgence of rock kind of rock band rock bands yeah it was the strokes the hives and the vines i'm glad you brought up the hives because i literally like cheered when Lindell and like mentioned like, oh you listen to the hives and i was like yes. I, re- I remember that <laughs> This is also another movie that I would I've seen maybe twenty times with my sister, so I remember that line very well. 
Um, but yeah, I feel like that. And also, I feel like the Hives are maybe the least well-remembered band of that kind of little mini right. trend. Because yeah, the Strokes kind of became are... a, a pitchforky institution. Yeah, and I the don't, I Vines are not really remembered. Maybe it's just that I still listen to some of the albums. I think the Hives are in this weird liminal space of everyone remembers they existed and were part of that time, but no one knows any songs that they did. Yeah. So then I guess the question is who is more forgotten the vines or the hives? <laughs> I think the vines, I think the vines were a better band, but that's the thing. I think if you're into music, you probably still remember the vines, like the, the ones, you know, yeah. Highly evolved. Very good album. Uh, is that the vines? Yes. Good. Okay. I'm, I'm There's a really good music cue in the OC with ride, ride. That's, that's great. I love the OC. Yeah. Um, as I much mentioned in every single episode, it feels like I, I funny. I, I associate the OC with this period too, like the Lindsay Lohan era, years. I just, I don't know. I think when did the OC come out? OC I, came out like 2004. So that makes sense. Would have been around that time. I don't know. Now I'm just thinking nostalgic about middle school and everything. Um, but it is fun that like, you know, Freaky Friday feels so emblematic of that era. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's got, you know, Lindsay Lohan's dressed this kind of like, Basically, is Avril Lavigne look? Yeah. yeah, and they're doing the punk rock it was stuff. A really weird time for music, but not a bad time for music. Just a time that did, everyone was kind of hailing as a new resurgence of rock music, and it just did not last. Right, and it was it's kind of a shame because like I think I there's there's still rock bands. It's kind of a little different now, but like all that really came out of that was sort of Foo Fighters. You know, they're the only ones who've kind of lasted long around then. They were already kind of old by then because Foo Fighters is a super group. Right. It was, it was, it was Dave Grohl's second, uh, second band. I, Oh, also speaking of the music, I think that the band in the movie is actually not bad. Their lyrics are really bad, but yeah. as a band, they're pretty fun. It's good. I mean, we, it reminds me a little bit of school of rock. Yeah. In that, like, you know, it's, it, it you grade it on a curve a little bit, but it's it's actually kind of fun. Yeah, and because you, it's always a really hard prompt in any movie to show somebody who is creative, and you tell the audience that they're good, and then actually show what they make. But this is a teenager band, so I don't need to, and I don't need them to be virtuosos. Right. It's the um, you know, you can make your character the best poet in the world, but don't you ever have them read their poetry? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good, and I like it, and it's. I mean, I even kind of like the the Lindsay Lohan song at the end. The you know the oh yeah, which is just a I think a single they had for her that they shoved in there. Um, okay, question: Is it insane if you're getting married to have your daughter's band like perform at your wedding? That sounds nice to me. I know it. Fe- my first thought was like, depends uh, on what kind of band. If it's like a black metal band, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they just do one song. In that case, the tough part. It, maybe the harder. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the harder part is if they're really bad. And they want to play at your wedding. That's a tough yeah, but, situation. Okay. I was thinking that it was like super weird. Like so I'm like, oh, I can't believe it's this thing we have to accept for the movie. But now I'm thinking like, you know, it's Jamie Lee Curtis's second marriage. She seems like she's like pretty like driven career woman that she's coming at this from a pretty like she's not like bridezilling about it a little more. like <laughs> It is a quite big wedding for a second marriage very soon after your husband died. It's not soon. Do we know? Do we know the time the time frame? I thought it was like three years. Oh, you're probably right. I, I think they mentioned the timeline at one yeah. point. Um, but it is like now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? It might be kind of really sweet to have your kids performing at the wedding of like your remarriage to like, yeah. sort of invite the new. Like I, I, I'm sort of like arguing against my own snark that I just put down. Like also because ago. when you're when you're a young artist like that, any gig is a good gig. Oh yeah, I'm not saying they're wrong Stop to take the gig. Trying to take away their small 
business iota of success um yeah no my small business (laughs) a band is like a small business yeah it's there's only like four of you unless you're arcade fire that sounds like an indie band album title the small business a band is like a small business (laughs) oh the small business does sound like the national or something that it feels like a parody band or like something that would have like one album that got like an EP that Pitchfork likes and then an album that Pitchfork hates. That's what that's the small business. Yeah. Um, speaking of that wedding, uh, I'm, I, the reason I wanted to bring up Mark Harmon at the beginning is because uh, Mark Harmon's big speech at the end of this movie uh, is fucking great uh, to Jamie oh, Lee Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. When he's just like, you know, when she's kind of freaking out because it's not Jamie, it's, it's Lindsay Lohan. And he's just like, I know what this is. I'm so on board with it. Like, it's just nice that like, I don't know. I know. I feel like movies a lot of times when they're this plotty, there's reveal after reveal of people being shitty. And the really great wonder of this movie is the more you learn about every person, the better they are. Yeah. And that's really, really sweet. And I did not anticipate that. I remember the movie being a little snarkier and a little more cringe comedy but it's very, very nice. Like the jokes you get that surprise you are people being better than you want. Than you yeah, expect. for sure. I'm trying to think of what the big like banner moments from the trailer are. I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis shopping with Lindsay yeah. Lohan inside of her. Yeah, which, the dress. Which kind of got me into thinking about the direct comparison between these two movies again, which is kind of what do you do as soon as you find out that you have this new body? Mm-hmm. And it is kind of the lowbrow move to, oh, you do all the things that you couldn't do in your old body. Right. Which is drive, spend, like use credit cards, whatever. And then in John Malkovich... I mean, I guess it's have sex with your coworker's girlfriend. <laughs> right. Find validation that, but it's a false validation and your slow soul slowly erodes. Yeah. But then in John Malkovich, it is interesting because they don't immediately have control over his body. Right. Only, only Craig, Craig ever be, really does. Cause he's a puppeteer, which is one of those. Um, I like that. It's, it's very clever. I think, um, it, Charlie Kaufman has definitely helped here by, making things as as wacky as they are yeah you can elide things like that like oh how do you do that oh he's a puppeteer you know like the monkey that um you know the flashback to the monkey's past that was so funny right that's when they call him by his name it is the funniest right there's a whole thing where you like see a flashback for a chimpanzee to show how she's gonna like the chimpanzee is gonna help cameron diaz and that's insane for a movie that is often emotionally very real yeah but it kind of when you make the when you're so good at tone and the tone is so strange, like this weird combo of being like very mundane and very surreal, it helps you get through that story shit like really well. Yeah, and then the funny thing about the puppeteer, him being a puppeteer as a character, is that when I first saw it, I was kind of thinking, oh, this is just weird twee job that only exist that exists because it's like a kind of an indie goofy movie mm-hmm. and then it really pays off that he has to be a puppeteer it matters that he's a puppeteer and i like that oh yeah it, it's very i mean it, and it's a great little combo because i mean you're right it's a little tweet but also it I but think then it's not because it, it, it is the reason why he's able to do this and it, that's like the whole theme of the movie it's this great combo of working effectively in the screenplay and being kind of fun and just being like it's like window dressing that's also functional yeah also now that we're talking about it I guess is this movie, this movie isn't really technically a body swap because nobody, no. John Malkovich doesn't go in anybody's body. No, more of a changing body, bodies. Body takeover? Body, yeah. Body, uh, just body stuff. Body, body, body stuff. stuff. Is that a, no, body I'm double. I'm thinking of body double. And body heat. I really want to do body double sometime. That movie's wild. I, I do not know the difference between body heat and body double. They're very different. I, I know they are, but I do not know the difference. 
One of them is an erotic thriller starring. Yeah, Body Cap- Double is like a Corbin movie, I think. Is it? Or is it De Palma? It might be a De Palma movie. It feels like a De Palma movie. We should. I would love to do a De Palma movie because I have like endless thoughts. We should do Phantom of the Paradise because I've never seen it and it looks crazy. Sure, Phantom of the Paradise and Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, Phantoms. Yeah, okay. movies about phantoms. Of yeah. fa- fa- movies about phantoms of. And we'll record it in a Rolls Royce Phantom. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't have any money. We're not um, gonna buy it. We'll just find one. We're gonna get sponsored by Rolls Royce. If okay, if if we get sponsored by Rolls because Royce, we know, can record in this Phantom. You know who Rolls Royce is missing as a demo is podcast listeners. Right. Yes. That's they're, if only they could reach that demo, they could finally get their uh, yeah you know, their struggling business off the ground. Yeah. It's me undies. It's now I'm blanking on every single other podcast advertiser. Uh, Quip, Stamps.com, uh, Movie. I was going to say On It, but that's really only one podcast. HelloFresh. Yeah, and um, then Rolls-Royce. Yeah, I just want to point out all the all the, uh, all the businesses I just listed, not, not sponsors of ours, but we would accept their money and we would sell out in a second. And yeah. our prices are very low. Um, I think if you gave me like $9, I'd devote like 30 minutes of, of airtime to that. Yeah, it would be being John Malkovich versus me undies. Right. <laughs> And then we would let them decide if they're highbrow or lowbrow. And yeah. we would argue for John Malkovich being lowbrow if MeUndies wanted to be highbrow. Yeah. Right. Whatever is the best for your undies is what this is. Yeah. I do unironically like MeUndies. Not a, yeah. not a not a plug. I just I own them. I'm wearing them. I, I don't know if I'm wearing them, but I might be. I have enough. I don't know. You Show know. us. Show us the undies. You just know what pair of underwear you put on today? I have like the top two of brands of underwear. I have a bunch of MeUndies and I have a bunch of the Mack Weldons, which are also a podcast brand. <laughs> I'm just saying, how do you know that you're not wearing the Mack Weldons? Because I picked them out in the morning. And you remember, I don't know. I just feel like I just okay. kind of grab what's, so I'm not I making have, conscious underwear tier, decisions. I have a tiered underwear drawer. So I do my laundry on Sundays and then I stack all of my underwear in order of which I like them. So I got me undies, me undies, me undies, me undies. And then I have kind of like my B tier me undies, which are like the ones that don't have the fly that I don't like because I got them out of a blind package. And then I'm getting into my Mac Weldons. And then I'm getting into like my old Mac Weldons that are like kind of like worn out. And then I'm getting into like the random old ones that I just haven't gotten rid of. I, I oh man, that paid off so well. I, I just wanted to needle you about underwear. I thought it was funny. That I, I'm so happy it led to that moment. We can we can stop. We can just forget the rest of our comments. Forget the, like, that's it. Yeah, that's and this the, is just turning into a Mac like Meandies versus Mac Weldon attack ad. Like, what can I bully Cooper into revealing about his life? Um, speaking of the trailer, you brought that up. The um, the line "I'm like the Crypt Keeper," which is oh like, yeah, that's a great line. Yeah, so good, so well done. And like that's, I feel like that trailer was on like. Every I, I think I saw that it was in front of like every SpongeBob episode in front of their, like mm-hmm. I remember seeing that like every fifteen minutes watching TV after school, um, and I, weirdly that was like the only thing I remembered from this movie when going into it, um, and I'm really happy that it really like lived up to it. That was really funny. Jamie Lee Curtis is super funny. I mean, she came from she does mostly comedies, right? Um, what dramas? I, uh, True Lies, but True Lies is kind of like a weird middle. Yeah, phase. I mean, I don't. Oh, okay, so I wouldn't say I'm an expert on Jamie Lee Curtis, but I think she's a weirdly, for someone who I can't name that many movies she's been in, I think she's had a huge effect on the culture. I mean, she's Halloween. in Trading Places. Halloween is the Oh, right, one. you're right. She's in a lot of non-comedies because she's in all, like, a bunch of Halloween movies. Right, but the thing is, she's not, I think she's only in, like, one and two and then in the, the first one. run. And then you, Halloween's this weird thing where they reboot it every once in a while. Yeah. So there's a lot of Halloween twos. I guess she's like the the iconic scream queen. Yeah, they brought her back for I the current about. the current series, which is the David Gordon Green directed ones, mm-hmm. and their whole um, 
If I remember, remember correctly, I haven't seen any new ones, but the whole thing was they're bringing back Laurie Strode and she's going to be more, less of a scream queen, more of like a, um, you know, like there's all these promo photos of her like holding a shotgun. Mm. Like she's on the hunt. And I think that's, she, that's a right, role that, she, yeah. that Jamie Lee Curtis has really settled into, which I think is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, she's in Trading Places, which I think is very good. And yeah, she's very good. She's very good in that. True Lies. Well, I, I, I can't say, I, I think, oh, Blue Steel. The oh, Blue Steel is a weird movie. movie. Yeah, That's but she's in that. So maybe she isn't mostly in comedies. Maybe I was just thinking of her in this and Trading Places. Yeah, Blue I mean, Steel is a very strange movie. I've, I've, that's Catherine. Yeah, Catherine Bigelow, one of her first mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I don't know if she was known as a comedy person. I do think that the response to her in this movie was very much holy freaking shit. Jamie Lee Curtis has got comedy chops like out the wazoo. Oh yeah, she's great. I think there was like such a huge response, and that was awesome. One small moment that is not a knock on Jamie Lee Curtis, but I found it funny is that I like how they found an excuse for her to go from one haircut to the Jamie Lee Curtis haircut as part of the, as part of the makeover. It's like yeah. midway through filming. Jamie Lee Curtis is like, I'm not going to wear this wig anymore, guys. Like figure out a way. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, yeah, no, it, that whole sequence. I mean, the, um, the, the, just speaking of the insane twist that happened in this movie, I was thinking about this because, like, I feel like we, we talk about our comedies now, and I feel like we we're in this improv era where comedies are like concepts, but mostly like just setups for funny people. Yeah, like, a post Will Ferrell world, right? I mean, I'm thinking of like um, I was thinking about the Ghostbusters, the, not the new one, but the um, the Kristen Wiig and mm-hmm. Melissa McCarthy one, um, and that one very much is like just kind of hanging out and bouncing ideas off each other, and you know, like not very not very plotted. You know, even something like that, which is more of a tentpole, you know, even, mm-hmm. and obviously the whole Apatow, um, everything is like that. Yeah. But like, I feel like Freaky Friday is this thing that we've kind of lost of a movie that's like very, very plotted. Yeah. I, a lot of like fun little screwball comedy reveals and reversals and things like that. Yeah. I guess if you don't know what we're talking about, it's kind of this comedy style of you basically get two improv actors and you have, you have your scene as written, but they basically just keep on recording alt jokes until they come up with one they like the best and they just use that. Right. And it leads to movies that are very uh, straightforward, like narratively, which is yeah. fine. And then often leads to some really freaking funny movies. Yeah. But then you do lose this kind of tightly plotted comedy sometimes. Right. And Freaky Friday has... Um, it's kind of like how Lil Wayne records rap where you just you just stick Lil Wayne in a booth and he just says shit for like 20 minutes and you cut a two minute song out of it. <laughs> Um, it, that's exactly what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, Freaky Friday. I, I mean, I just want to like call attention to how many great curveballs. I mean, um, Stanfield from Sex and the City as the like high maintenance. Oh yeah, um, he's great. Uh, like therapy uh, person. Also, Chad Michael Murray falling in love with Jamie Lee Curtis was really really it's funny. So good. Like the date they go on, yes. where they're just talking about like the highs and shit, is so funny. Yeah, and then she doesn't realize it's a date till halfway through, and then you see it dawn in her face what's going on. Yeah, and the um, like the TV show, like like the reveal that she has to go on a TV the show TV and talk show about her... is super crazy out of nowhere. I know, but it's such a good bid, and it like has such a good payoff when she sees it, and like uh, um, the all the stuff with the younger brother, like where like it reveals that the younger brother actually really looks. Oh, up to that was a really hand. nice scene too. Yeah, I mean the movie just is like it's very very hard to do like all these different setups and payoffs. Yeah, doing the highbrow lowbrow of it again, like that. A movie that's willing to like set up all that, do those setup payoffs, work with work within the structure of like a stu- classic studio comedy, even though that that sort of thing that doesn't like mm-hmm. exist anymore, more lowbrow, but that makes it really effective. Um, whereas um, I don't know being done back, which also really tight screenplay, but kind of in a different way. And there are some kind of lowbrow moments in it. Oh yeah, I mean a lot of like 
very silly jokes a lot of like just oh re- like recursion. the secretary who just mishears things all the time right which oh my god so funny the uh, dr lester oh yeah yeah i mean and just the idea of a of a um of a office building on the seven and a oh, half yeah, the floor. Half floor. There's no reason for that to be true. Oh, it's for the. It's um, just funny. It's because the portal is there. It's like the. I, yeah, but the portal could just be in a regular floor. I guess I always interpreted it as for some reason they had to build the building on the portal, but like like the portal is why uh, everything was shorter. Was the portal the exact height of the ceiling? Yeah, I think no, so. No, it's not because the. the oh, he, you're right. They have he to drop it on a cabinet. You're right. They have to crouch down even then. Yeah, I don't know. I always thought it had something to do with that. But I guess he, even Dr. Lester, who I guess that's not his real name, mentions that he just discovered it. And he don't know, he doesn't right. know it. And he, then they do have that informational video, but then Maxine immediately says it's not real. Although she wouldn't know that one way or the other. Right. I think she's just kind of talking shit. Yeah. Um, which, true to her character, she's constantly talking shit. Yeah. Um, I don't, so here's a, here's a question, just because I have it in my notes, and it might, I don't know, it might lead to a good discussion we're podcasting here. Um, is it... A is do you think this movie is like mis- misanthropic, and B do you, do you like um, see a problem with that? I it is I think it is pretty misanthropic. Well, it, the way Craig's character just turns bad so fast and so aggressively and without any redemption, it does seem like. But it's, maybe it's just about it's a movie about this one person who is a bad person, but you wouldn't know it because he's not strong enough to exert his power over other people yeah i think and it's not just that we're like i mean maxine maxine obviously is very destructive and lester is very destructive and lester and uh even lottie i think is like you know lies to craig and cheating on him using quote marks and obviously i think but craig is by far the worst person here and also she does that only after she realizes that he has this weird emotional relationship with his coworker, right? Right. I mean, she, I think, is keying into his shittiness and, like, she's coming at it with open eyes. Yeah, because their relationship feels like it's ending already. Yeah. I think they Although are... I would be so out of that relationship just because there's a chimp in the house and I want my face to remain attached to my body. Chimps only rip off people's faces. Every time... When she was in the cage with the chimp, the chimp was kissing her mouth. I was so scared for Cameron Diaz, the actual actress. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's in terms of the, the misanthropy of it all. Oh, right. Yeah. I, um, I mean, okay, wait, no, I, I want to give you credit. Chimps are scary as shit. Yeah. No, it's like you, okay. You, you think a chimp's going to be cool. You buy a chimp. Years go by. You're friends with the chimp. You, then one day you're like, Hey, here's a birthday cake. And then it rips off your face. Yeah. No, that's, that's how chimps work. Yeah. It it's, um, they, they rip off your face at the moment of maximum emotional impact. Yeah, they're very smart that way. Uh, yeah, very, I mean, that's why we share a common ancestor. The ultimate tool that they can use is heartbreak. Um, highbrow, lowbrow, chimp movies? And any Planet of the Apes is lowbrow. Is there a highbrow chimp movie? Oh. Is this it? Do we have to do this again? I'm trying to... Should we stop talking about this movie so we can talk about it again in, in a month? No, there's got to be one. <laughs> there's got to be one. <laughs> I mean, there's a good scene with a bunch oh, of chimps oh, in oh, the, um, the 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 Diane Fossey movie? Oh, I mean, it's gorillas, not chimps. Gorillas in the mist. Gorillas in the mist. I mean, oh, it's so close. <laughs> I know you almost had it. It was right there. It is Diane Fossey, right? Am I saying it yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. I don't know. The only thing there's like the documentary project name about about chimpanzees. Yeah, but I, we can't just do a doc. I mean, um, I know our listeners are just dying for a chimp episode. Yeah, because of all this chimp talk, all this ch- deeply Welcome compelling back to chimp, chimp talk. talk. 
Is this our pivot? Is this yeah. what's gonna blow up? Because there's there's we got Harry and the, does Harry and the Hendersons count? Is that close enough? Missing um, Link. I don't know. Oh, can Missing we do, Link's good. Can we do Missing Bigfoot Link. movies as half half episodes because it's kind of half? It's the Missing Link. It's half man, half chimp. <laughs> I would love that. I'd love to talk about Missing Link. I love to talk about any uh, Lake movie. Sure, honestly. they're all freaking fantastic. Um, I don't know how is Kubo high brow. Um, I mean, it's a, it's an animated kids movie, so it could be lowbrow, but it's I also like the animation like, style is highbrow. Oh, brow. absolutely, and it's and I think Leica in general is always trying to do more interesting things. I mean, you mm-hmm. could, I would say, I mean, compared to say, Kubo a Shark's Tale or Wallace and Gromit. Oh, I would, I would, I, that'd be fun. Claymation, highbrow, lowbrow. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah, yeah. I love Wallace and Gromit so much. Wallace and Gromit is great. Have you the the little poster that says "Have you seen this chicken?" and it's very obviously a penguin with a rubber glove on its head is the one of the better jokes that has ever been made visually. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, I oh, I did have a thought. Okay, uh, but why? First of all, <laughs> I don't. Who do told it, you you could I have a thought? I don't have thoughts often, Josh. Let me have it. Okay, go on. It's more of a premise. It's not really a thought. Freaky Friday. Um, are is there a highbrow? Is this movie highbrow in any way? Freaky Friday. Um, I would say. Um, I would say no, but that's only just by the very like pretty our own kind of definitions. I, I mean, I think it yeah. is punching above its weight. It never really asks the philosophical question of what does it mean? Cause in, in being John Malkovich, like right out the gate, he comes out of the tunnel. He says, does this mean we have souls? This has a lot of philosophical implications and they mostly ignore that, but they definitely bring it up immediately. Yes. Freaky Friday, Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan are never concerned with the fact that it appear, they appear to have found proof that there is a soul. I mean, they're concerned. And that there is magic. Right. They're more concerned because they have like tests to take and marriages to conduct. They have proof that there is magic. Right. That should be a bigger thing. That, the sequel should be them like they're back in their bodies the day after the wedding and they're like, oh, wait a minute. We just found out there's magic. Yeah. I would say uh, for the reason you just described that they don't really grapple with that. Not, I, don't, I don't see a lot of highbrow moments. But again, it's not because it's not good, and because I actually think the moments of like drama and emotional connection in this movie are so well done. Yeah. Um. That like I guess you could read that as highbrow in some ways, but I don't think. I think that's very much within the structure of this kind of studio comedy. Yeah. Um. I would say maybe the one kind of highbrow thing is that it is dealing with aging in an interesting way. Like how so? Well. I mean, there's a lot of bits just about how Jamie Lee Curtis re- enjoying being in a young person's body yeah. and then the horror of being in an old person's body. But mm-hmm. then also, Jamie Lee Curtis is a psychiatrist who's writing about aging. Oh, that's true. And then also, actually, when I first saw the book, it was kind of a misreading. It's called Senescence and Retrograde, yeah. or Through the Looking Glass, colon, Senescence and Retrograde. And I misread Senescence. I was thinking senility. So I was thinking... And then... Her dad appears to be having has like early signs of dementia. So I thought she was writing a book about dementia and then her dad has dementia. And I was like, this is very dark for what's going on in this movie. It's really in the background. And then it just turned out I didn't know what that word meant. Right. So in essence, is just being becoming old becoming at all. Old. Oh, not okay. senility. Right. Yeah. Different thing. You basically thought that this was the plot of Rise of the Planet of the Apes, except with body swapping. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that. Would but be it is dealing with aging because it does have the you know the third generation who is also there. Yes, although I think that you know that I think that's a good take. It's more I did an undercurrent, but right. I think I think um, I didn't see that there as much, but I do see 
I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure it was thought of, and I, but I do think for me it was a lot more of like using just all that setup for more like jokes and, yeah. and human story. Like for, for Freaky Friday, it's all driving the plot. Yeah, you know, for whereas sure. obviously, you know, something like being John Malkovich will stop the whole movie so that like Craig can puppeteer John Malkovich doing this like interpretive dance. Which was a good dance. Oh, yeah. You no, interpretive dance is not really a genre of dance. Um, there's like speak, speak there's on this. contemporary dance. There's modern dance. Interpretive dance is kind of often used as a joke making fun of contemporary dance, but it's not really a genre of dance. I uh, did not know that because I know... Uh, zero things about dance yeah i don't i know a little bit about dancing yeah. um i know that it is a thing oh, that, like how to do it well how to do it well no how to do it at all also no <laughs> um but i dance as like an art form absolutely fucking nothing all i know is um um i've seen the movie the red shoes and there are dancers in that yeah i know just enough about dance to get myself in trouble by saying the wrong thing sometimes so we might have to fact check what i just said about interpretive dance <laughs> that's okay i mean this seemed weirdly this has become the episode of all of our like hot cancelable takes so like yeah. now's a chance, if you want to drop some pipe and hot dance stuff go <laughs> go for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i was gonna say hot charles dance atlas was a mass murderer that's that's a hot take yeah it, it, i have the proof you do yeah merce cunningham <laughs> i don't know what you're killed saying. my father i don't know what you're saying or if these are hot takes i think i'm just gonna bleep it all out of out of like just abundance of oh, caution <laughs> or unless these are like really great like deep cut dance jokes in which case I'll, I'll those are very famous choreographers who are very good okay i know of charles atlas Mm-hmm. I think Merce Cunningham is also one. Okay, I know I know who Martha Graham is. Martha Graham, yeah, yeah I've, I've heard of good her. Good uh, because um, a dance of hers was uh, an in- inspiration for a character in Steven Universe. Oh, neat! Which is a good show, which you should watch. Um, you being the audience and Cooper, if you want. Yeah. Um, anything else we want to we we want to get into? I think we talked with Jamie Lee Curtis or the cast of Freaky Friday. So great! I want to also give a nice little shout out to Stephen Tobolowski as oh, the teacher. He was so good. The moment where he gets destroyed was great. You know that uh, he's he's like an all time great character actor. Yeah, it's not a big role for him. He has a lot of other roles in movies that he gets a lot more to do. He's very fun, but oh, he yeah. does a lot with what he has. Oh yeah, and that's him. I mean, I saw him speak at the uh, LA, LA LA Festival of books uh he has he has a selection of just like essays and short stories about his life mm-hmm. um and he just seems like a good dude i mean he, he spoke for about um his dog he had to, he had like a very very heartwarming essay oh, that's about, nice. and kind of heartbreaking essay about his dog because all dog stories are sad oh, um because yeah, they don't live as long as us yeah it's the, you know the George... why all parrot stories are happy because they usually outlive you and <laughs> because parrots are, are terrible uh screechy creatures I, the one time I met a parrot, he was very friendly. You play with my watch. I was at this party for, it was a birthday party for like a minor celebrity's brother that I got invited to because a girl I was seeing got invited to it and I was just along for the ride. And it was at this mansion deep in the Beverly Hills and in the backyard, there were just five parrot cages everywhere. So all these drunk people were just playing with the parrots. So I just reached into a cage and took out a parrot and was playing with it while pretty hammered and it was very fun the parrot was nice and then i put it back in the cage and this drunk girl tried to get the talk for about 20 minutes and i found that very entertaining uh i once saw a parody in omelet what in venice i was just walking around and there was a guy on an outdoor cafe did it order the omelet no it was a man um 
I really wish the parrot was a car- it was just a man sitting by himself at an outdoor uh, cafe with a parrot sitting on his chair, and the parrot would like lean over and eat little pieces of the omelet while the man was also eating the omelet with his fork. I I love it. Yeah, I love that, that story. Yeah, that that's actually pretty much picture a better picture of parrots than I, I when I was. Yeah, I, I came. It They're like wonderful I, creatures. I feel like I came an anti parrot. I knew of one bad parrot. Uh, <laughs> When parrots go bad tonight on 2020. <laughs> so a friend of my sister's we were visiting and he just like giant cage, take up most of his small apartment in DC area. And it was just a, a parrot that was just screeching and constantly gnawing at the bars. And apparently it just hates everyone except him. And he just had to take care of the parrot because no one else in his family wanted to. And it was uh, super sad because it was a shitty parrot. Oh yeah. That's like my, I have, well, it's a parakeet story. And I think parakeets are by their nature, worse parrots. <laughs> this is bird talk with Cooper and Josh. Yeah, who knew that this would lead into a, a like five to ten minute long discussion of all of our parrot stories we have. This has been I got it because I, I feel like I was we came to this episode we were kind of like I, I mean like these are movies we know really well that everyone knows really well we're gonna, and we're just uh, fucking all over the place and like, there's something <laughs> in the water. <laughs> my my cousins had a little uh, parakeet named Kiwi and it just hated the human race and I think one time my. It was my it was my cousin Katie's parrot and she was out she was out away or something. My other cousin Spencer was taking care of it. So we had to open up the cage to, you know, feed it. And Kiwi just flies out, latches onto his head and starts pecking at the top of his head. So he's just running around screaming while this parrot is attached to his head trying to kill him. Uh why are we talking about parrots? I forgot. <laughs> Here's some other stuff we can talk about. Um you know, uh Craig uh is a huge piece of shit uh in this movie. Yeah, uh, the John the John Cusack character. Um, I think super interesting though. I mean, I think it's very um, a little bit Joker-y, not as in like the Joker the characters in the movie Joker. Oh, kind of like incel vibes. Yeah, and I think it does that in a way like kind of before that archetype was like very well known in the culture. Mm-hmm. Obviously, nineteen ninety nine. I mean, I think Craig obviously is like he has these delusions of grandeur. He feels no disrespected. He's, you know, obviously obsessed with Maxine. He thinks like this one woman's love will like make him. Well, if he feels like he deserves things because he's a good person, but it's not that he's a good person. It's actually just that he's ineffectual. Right. He's not like, he's just not malicious because he's meek. Right. I mean, he, he starts the movie as, um, you know, you're on his side because he gets punched in the face. That's like the only real reason. Um, but then but, I'm not on his side because obviously you shouldn't do that bit on a New York City street. That's stupid. And especially when Cameron Diaz says this happened again. So obviously he should have learned this lesson already. So that's what's interesting. Is there ever a time when you were like really like feeling for Craig? Because I'm thinking back on it. I remember the movie as a kid. I remember being a little more like he's you know, like not great, but he's just kind of goofy and weird. And I'm looking back on it. He's just kind of pathetic and bad. I I think think there's a lot less there to hold on. There's a lot there to understand and sympathize with. Yeah. I think the one thing that makes made me on his side at all is that he does appear to really be an artist who is really invested in mastering his art form Mm -hmm. and appears to be good at it. Yeah. And as a person who also does creative things, I appreciate that. And I also appreciate the sense of not being recognized for it yeah but then obviously is a monster right and the, even then you so i think the movie here has this really economical opening where you very quickly you know it's the puppet he wakes up you know his wife a lot is like you know you should maybe you should get a job or like a normal job and mm-hmm. you know you're very quickly in on this guy and what he is and there's the scene where she asks him if he wants to have kids and he just kind of like does that shitty non-answer that like pushes it off 
Yeah, although, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. They, they really just shouldn't be together. Right. I mean, it's this thing of, because um, I thought about it again, there's a scene where Lottie comes into work and like, I want to do it again. And like throwing all the all of her like everything she's doing with Adam really quickly. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, uh, he's being a huge piece of shit and trying to shut her down and lie to her. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, she's coming into his work and yelling at him about like John Malkovich stuff. Like she's right to have done that, but she's kind of like accidentally ended up in the right place. Yeah. Um, although, like, I mean, again, if you're if you're assigning blame, it's like ninety percent Craig being a huge piece of shit. Yeah, he just um, sucks. But in ways that are interesting. Like he he's and he's horribly punished for it in oh, this yeah. movie. And he's like, tra- it's like a Greek tragedy he's like trapped by his own like thing like he's mm-hmm. he got there because he was so obsessed with maxine and what that meant to him so now he's cursed to always like look at her yeah you know, the last his last line of the movie is when look you know, away look away yeah yeah that's so fucking dark mm-hmm. um i remember I, I first saw this movie in middle school my friend brought over his xbox like an xbox xbox um and because he's like, it was a cool thing that he had. And we played Halo for like three hours. And we were like, oh, bored. Like, oh, what should we do? it? like, well, I have. You, you turned it on to play Halo and you realized that he had left the John Malkovich DVD in there and you were like, shit. No, I had uh, a Netflix, like disc Netflix. Oh, yeah. And I think the only movie I had that was mine, because, you know, we split it with the family. Mm-hmm. And I was constantly saying it back was being John Malkovich. And I was like, oh, I heard this kind of like a goofy comedy. And then, <laughs> uh, like, it fucking ruined the sleepover. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we ended, it was fine. Like we ended up just like spending the whole night being like, God, that was such a sad, depressing, dark movie. And like, yeah. And like, this was not one of my, like my film friends. It was one of my closest friends at the time, but like not someone who I go to, went to artsy movies with. That's really funny. Um, yeah. It's like, that was like the definition of like, don't let the film guy pick the movie. Um, I think I've hit most of the stuff on talk about these movies. It's weird. I, I will say this, um, going into this, episode i really thought there's gonna be more connections between these two and i think they're really it kind of just shows what's interesting about the highbrow lowbrow um like lens is that they're so they're doing such different things with concepts that could overlap a little more and even in theme what themes they're interested in what emotional moments they're interested in. yeah i mean i do think a big part of it might be the thing that there is no actual swap in malkovich but it is still the same core conceit which is that you're going to another person's body i mean they have a lot of similarities but they're on kind of more thematic levels where it's kind of about being unhappy in your body although actually interestingly freaky friday they're never unhappy in their bodies they're only unhappy when they're not in their bodies but it is about just or dissatisfaction with the body you are in whether it is the one you've been swapped into or not yeah and then also the freedom that you get when you change into a body and being trapped in a body mm-hmm. because in freaky Friday, they are trapped in bodies, but only for the duration of the movie. Right. It's almost like the inverse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause yeah, it's, well, it's funny because freaky Friday is kind of like a joyful exploration of body swaps because at first they are both very well. And also, wait, the other really funny thing about Freaky Friday is that the person who's having fun is the young person that goes in the old person's body. <laughs> oh, you're right. You would think that it would be the other way around. That it'd be Jamie Lee Curtis being, oh my God, I'm finally young. I yeah. can do these things. But she's the one that has a tough time in high school and has to overcome a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And then meanwhile, Lohan is just be enjoying being able to have a car and have credit cards and having a great time. That's uh, really brilliant, actually. Um, both your observation and the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not being facetious. I didn't think of that. Cause like, yeah, normally all these movies, it's like, you know, 17 again or big. It's always like, you know, 
wouldn't it be great? Like youth is wasted on the young. And in this one, she's just like, no, I liked being a grown woman. Being yeah. a grown woman is fucking great. <laughs> I have this adoring, beautiful husband I'm about to marry. I've got yeah. two great kids or like, you know, one great kid, whichever, you know, because she's mad at Lindsay Lohan at the time. Yeah. You know, she's got this, like, she's a great therapist. She's about to go on a honeymoon. And she's like, this yeah, she's fucking sucks. You have to go to high school now. <laughs> she misses her own appearance on a talk show. Yeah. It's just huge. I think that's kind of really, really progressive about it. That, yeah. Like, it paints like being a, like a single mother who like runs her own business and who's like in her early forties as the more desirable thing to be. Yeah. It is also that thing that you forget about when you're in high school, which is just the problem that you're not allowed to do so many things and you don't yeah. have the means to do so many things. Your world is smaller. Yeah. In a way. And that, which leads to things being easier, but also leads to things being really fucking frustrating. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I mean like, yeah, but the, where she goes back to school and she doesn't realize that like nothing works the way she thought it does. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't know math. Like she thought she did. Yeah. <laughs> like the teachers sometimes do fucking hate you. Yeah. Um, sometimes that girl, all the stuff really with that sucks. other girl. Yeah. That was very was fun. So funny. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And just like everything, I don't know. All that shit was freaking great. You know, like trying to dress like what you think is cool and just like, mom, you can't, you cannot wear that. Oh, but you look so smart in this. Yeah. She's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll grunge it down. She says, I'll grab it up. <laughs> and it's so good. I mean, I know it's like, hacky's not the word, but like expected of like, oh, you know, like things aren't so easy for being a kid, not so easy being an adult. But like, I think this movie, it's, it, it all is in the execution with lowbrow, I think. And this yeah. movie executes like freaking perfectly. And sometimes the simplest solution is the best solution. Yeah. Sometimes like, and that's the thing I've been thinking about, like, you know, decisions, you know, which movie does it better. I think being John Malkovich is like a better movie, but it's not that I don't even, I'm know. not sure. Yeah. I mean, I gave I, them both five stars. I gave, uh, I think I gave Freaky Friday four and I think this movie, I think four and a half, half, four and a half, but yeah. I'm not, I'm kind of like regretting both of those. They're in such different lanes that it's so hard to compare them directly. And I think I don't think that either film uh, fails. <laughs> Which is such a insane. it's such a funny thing to say on this podcast. Like, yeah, it's really difficult to compare these two movies. It's too bad that we set ourselves up for this. Right. We might as well call this podcast uh, like Apples and Oranges, the podcast. And here we are just fretting about these apples and oranges we have to compare. <laughs> um, I don't think any of these movies like fails the subject matter. I think both no. of them like come at them from different ways, affect them in different ways, like do different things and absolutely fucking kill. I don't, yeah. I, unironically, not just the meme. I have no notes on either of these movies. Yeah. And it, it might just be that they do have different fundamentally. They're both about body swaps, but they do have different themes it's like freaky friday's theme is kind of about age it, i think it's i think it really is about aging and mm-hmm. how when you're young you desperately want to be old and when you're old you forget what it's like to be young mm-hmm. and just the impossibility of understanding what it is like to be in someone else's head until you're shoved in there yeah yeah it's about empathy yeah and i think that's really special you know i think um it's a theme <laughs> you john know, malkovich is not really about empathy at all no i think uh if anything john malkovich uh the movie being john malkovich john malkovich the man the is man about, is about, about fine em- acting john, john malkovich the man is about empathy because he's an actor actors need empathy right um i don't know anything about john malkovich the man except he seems cool i don't know yeah like, i think he's kind of playing a version of himself in this movie i don't think that's yeah i don't think i don't think he's really like that right or maybe um, he's some version of that also, it's a hiding think, version yeah i mean i think he has like kids and obviously in real life and not in the movie and mm. one of the many differences between the character and the actor the only one uh yeah 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 <laughs> uh i completely forgot what i was saying um do you Time to play a game want to play a game yeah let's yeah. do it if i think of the thing i was going to say i'll stop the game so 
Uh, I got a list. So, okay. So for those of you, if this is your first episode, um, thanks for joining us. But we like to end with a little quiz. One of us will pick a list we find online um, that fits the theme. The other one will try and guess the movies on that list. Uh, so I found comingsoon.net seven best John Malkovich movies. Oh, no. Josh, why are you doing that? I'm I'm not great at these games as it is, and I don't know. That's okay. So I, right. I, I, I will say... I, John Malkovich I, must be on this list. Yes, that's the first one. Cool. Um, right off the bat, obviously. I think it, I do think being John Malkovich is the best John Malkovich movie. Um, yeah, because he's known for stage more? Uh, I just think uh, a lot of his movies... I don't want to like spoil too much what this is, but he does. He's done a lot of, um, you know. He's, I, I guess I think a lot of his movies are like well remembered for the time, but he isn't. I think this is the one that's like become a classic. Mm. Whereas I think some of his other performances, which are also great, and other movies that are also good, are more like well remembered. Yeah, you know, tier two on Netflix than like the ones you go to at first. Okay, uh, but we'll get into it because uh, these are fun movies. So I will say. So that's one. You got six more to go. Okay. Uh, some of these are really tough, and for those ones, I'm gonna just like we're gonna fucking play. Yeah, through just them. I'm not gonna wait for you to catch up. If I yeah, if I falter for a second, just give me a hint. Okay, so here we go. This next movie, uh, it came out in the 2000s, so okay. between 2000 and 2010. Yep. Uh, it is a uh, satire, like a Bush era satire of Washington D.C. Uh, with a big ensemble cast. Is he in in the loop? No, in the loop no, is British. No, but that is up sort of the, the vibe no. of again, same same sort of vibe. You look at, well, maybe not up in the air as much, but in the loop is kind of what it's going for. Although this is, I think, a little bit sillier. Okay. Um, it is um uh filmmaker um like very well known auteur filmmakers behind this one. Um, it is. I'm gonna start naming some cast members, but I'm gonna go on like okay, because okay. like the obvious ones are gonna so like Richard Jenkins is in this movie, okay. Tilda Swinton's in this movie. What the hell is this? Francis movie? McDormand is in this movie. I mean, this feels like a Coen Brothers movie. It is a Coen Brothers okay. movie. Okay, it is the movie that came out right after No Country. It was 2008. Uh, Brad Pitt is in this movie. I'm gonna give it to you. Okay, it's Burn After Reading. Oh fuck, I forgot about that movie. I know that I think- movie is really funny. The scene where spoilers i don't care i'm gonna bleep that out um because i think that's such a great thing if you don't see it's coming okay um the thing you're referring to which it will have been bleeped at this point yeah um you know it's so great i think and malkovich especially is so he's very funny good. the way he pronounced memoirs oh yeah man i really forgot about the existence of that movie <laughs> i caught it on uh, stars i think the other day oh yeah uh, like is it I, good uh it's i will say if you just pop into it halfway through it's so like funny mm-hmm. and weird and dark that like it really works i don't know how it worked being the end i have there are some like film critics who like really ride for it now though okay um okay next one uh movie came out in the 90s it is a big dumb 1990s action movie that we have watched together in the past is this armageddon is he in that no but that's, that's not 90s that is 90s, 90s? Uh, that's 98 this movie is um also in the but that's like the that's the moment of the kind of action movie you're looking for. It's not a Michael Bay movie, but it like totally could have been a Michael Bay movie. I'm not going to get any of these movies. Um, this is going to be embarrassing. Okay. The star of this movie is a, known for being really, really weird and giving big, weird performances. Okay, it's a Nick Cage movie. It is. And this is part of his run. He did three action movies right after winning an Oscar, like back to back to back. And this is one of them. Okay. Is it like a, like, no, it's 90s. So it's... God damn it. Jesus Christ. It's not. Okay. So I'll give you. It's not The Rock. Is Just, Nick Cage is in that? The Rock? Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen The Rock. Oh, yeah. He's great. He's uh, Stanley Goodspeed. <laughs> and it's not Face Off. 
Okay. So it's the other of the three. The, the, what I see is the trilogy of great Dick. Con Escape. Air. It's Con Air. Thank okay. you. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> I love Con Air. So we have much. watched that movie together. Do we watch the entire movie together? I think though? we did. I, I think we caught it on like, TV. We, TV. When we, we had yeah. one year, we had TV. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what is this fancy new box we have? <laughs> like the only time I've ever had like TV channels. Yeah. Where I've lived. Oh man. Uh, I love. Con oh Air. yeah, because he's like a serial killer. He's in that. Cyrus the virus. Oh my god. The bad guy. So bad. Oh, Con Air is so good. I just remember the end. I don't remember that movie very well. Well, they crashed the plane into the Las Vegas trip. I think that's the only part of that movie we watched. <laughs> no, I think we comp- No, because I know we saw the scene in the trash yard where they have that big firefight because we got to the line where like, because Cyrus is, uh, is no a great virus. Malkovich moment yeah. Yeah, where he's like laying out in like the ground. What like, okay, it's so, like this, this can has got to be the police. The stick is us. And like the one of the villains goes like, oh, what's that rock? He says, it's a rock. He kicks it away. That's very funny. It's great. And it's imagine how good it is when Malkovich says it, not my dumbass. That's like that joke in um, I forget which Bond movie it is, where he's Q's showing him all the gadgets. He goes, "And what's this one?" He's like, "Oh, that's my lunch. And it's just a sandwich." Yeah, that feels like a John Cleese Q moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it must be Goldeneye or something. That feels, or I mean, one of the lesser ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, next one. I'm gonna. This one you might not get. I'll go fast. Um, 19, 1987, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, not a movie you would think of as the first 20 movies Steven Spielberg has directed. Oh, great. Um, it is a wartime drama set in Japan. Wartime drama set Starring Christian Bale, who is at this time quite young. It's not like... No. I feel like you might either know or you don't. You want me to go ahead and... Yeah, just do it. Uh, Empire of the Sun. Oh, uh, I've read that book. If I, man, if I had known that, I would have... I mean, I'm, I'm literally inches away from your bookshelf right now. <laughs> If I'd seen it, it might be on there. If I'd seen it, I would have brought that up. Yeah. Um, okay. Next one. Also a hard one. We'll go fast. Prestige period drama. Won a lot of Oscars starring Sam Watterson. Uh, 1984. Okay. It is about Cambodia. It's about Cambodia. Yes. It is about a bad thing that happened in Cambodia. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not going to get the title. Oh, the killing fields. Right. Okay. Yeah yeah. 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 It's just those are just like the two like very Oscar-y. Yeah. Like, no, I've heard that title. I have seen almost none of these movies. Uh, we've got two more. God damn I it. think you might get. I really need to get one of these. I know, it's okay. Um, movie came out in 1988. It is a prestige uh, period piece drama. They're all wearing very fancy like dresses and wigs okay, and stuff. Okay. 88. Yeah. Um, it is based on a play uh, of the same name. It was remade into a, about 10 years later, it was remade into like a teen movie that you like quite a bit. Oh, is it A Midsummer Night's Dream? Or no, not Midsummer Night's Dream. Wait, 10 Things, the, Tame of the Shrew. No, not Shakespeare. The play came out in the 80s. Oh, goddammit. Okay, and it was it. very quickly adapted. Play came out in the 80s? Oh, I don't know. The movie, the teen movie is uh, Gruel Intentions. Oh, Dangerous Liaisons? Yes, Dangerous okay. Liaisons. Um, yeah, Liaisons. it's him, Glenn Close, and... I didn't realize that was a play. Yeah, Les, Les, Liaisons Dangerous. Ooh, fancy, fancy. <laughs> uh, last one, um, I will say this. You do not think of John Malkovich as in this movie oh, very good. much. <laughs> I was very surprised to see this one on there. Okay, okay. <laughs> He's not one of like the top like five actors I think of. An act, this, this is not a super well-known, well-remembered movie, but I like it a lot. Okay. Um, came out in 2005. Um, it is based on a classic sci-fi book. Um, it is a comedy. It's a comedy based on a classic sci-fi book. Mm-hmm. 
It stars, one of the stars is a famous rapper. It also stars. Wait, is Ice Cube in this? It no. is not Ice Cube. Okay. I would not. I, I try to avoid Ice Cube things because Ice Cube tries to avoid me. It's very, um, the book is on a very dry British sense of humor. Um, oh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Hitchhiker's Guide okay. to the Galaxy, yeah. Mm. Um, I did, I completely Who's he in that? He's the bad guy. He's like, Zay, so Zaphod, he's running against Zaphod. Yeah, yeah. In like the um, presidential election or whatever. His uh. character looks really weird. He's like, you, you see, if I remember the joke correctly, you see like he's sitting behind a table. And you think he's got like a normal oh, bottom yeah, half. Most deaf is in that movie. Yes, that's the rapper. Right. And uh, he's just got like little tiny legs on the bottom of his torso. Oh, that's like, very funny. And he's kind of like, but like I forgot he's in this. That's a movie that has a lot of really funny bits in it. Yeah. And it's got um, Alan Rickman as the robot who's great. As, yeah, Marvin. And, yeah, Marvin the Depressed Robot. And uh, Bill Nye is like the guy who uh-huh. creates the world. It has that one scene where they're in that field. And then whenever they say there's something... There's some trigger that if they say something, a little fly swatter will hit them in the face, and it's the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. I think that movie gets a bad rap because I think fans of the book were like, "Oh, this is you know, it's so not that." But like, speaking of the highbrow lowbrow, I think it does a really good job of like getting this a lot of the jokes of that book through, a lot of the vibe of that book. The story obviously is not quite as irreverent or dark, but like, I, I mean, know. I think that would be kind of a difficult. That's a difficult book to adapt because it's so like all the jokes are in the like descriptions yeah and i think they do a good job of doing the, having the voiceover do that it's kind of like how I, n- I never saw good omens but i imagine terry pratchett would be very hard to adapt yeah for ter- that same reason good omens the show i think also does is about is i think very good equivalent because i mm-hmm. think that book is like tremendous yeah one of my favorite books ever i think that show gets kind of the fun vibes across but maybe um I don't know. I mean, you can't hold the show against the show that didn't. I mean, there's some stories are meant to be told as books. Some of them are meant to be told as movies. But when you, if you can tell the book story as a movie and it's pretty good. Yeah. Let's, let's not complain about it. Let's all calm the fuck down. Everybody. Yeah. Checkers Guide to the Galaxy is good. Is a great book. Is a good movie that apparently stars John Malkovich. Great. (laughs) Um, that was good. Didn't take too long. Yeah. Because I didn't know any of them. But hopefully I'll do better next time. Well, that's what I didn't want to get into before. But like Malkovich's filmography is a lot of like good performances and good movies, but a lot of like action movies where he's the back, like In the Line of Fire is yeah. a very well-known movie of his. And like, or a lot of the dramas he did in the 80s are more well-known for being like Oscar-y dramas, kind yeah. of less remembered now. Like, I don't know anyone who's seen The Killing Fields. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, it is kind of oscar Beatty movies yeah. tend to get forgotten unless... Unless they really They're really special for some reason, right? Unless they like really hit that next level, like you know, like Out of Africa. I think everyone has heard of it. I could not tell you what that movie's about, and I am obsessed with the Oscars. And yeah, I'm surprised. Movies. Did that win Best Picture? It did. Yeah. Have you not seen every Best Picture? No, winner? I oh. used to, I used to I can name them all back to like the 40s. Oh, okay. I used to be. I mean, I guess there are a lot of them, but yeah, and it a lot feels of them like are long and do. boring. I don't know. I mean, I I would not be opposed to seeing them, but like if there was a period in high school where I would watch like a movie a day. Just yeah. on Netflix, sending it back, and like if I didn't see the movie during that like period, and I was churning them out. Now I don't have as much time because I'm 30. Yeah, uh, so it takes a little much to get me to sit down and watch something. Yeah, same here. Yeah, it's tough. But although, if we could uh, draw from the lesson of the movie we saw, uh, being old is good. Yeah, and can't wait. Um, I think uh, that's probably not the plot of the movie Old, though, right? That no, I think old being old is bad in old. <laughs> <laughs> we could do old. I think we've talked about doing old. Yeah. Um, who, uh, let's do versus some, old boy, old, old versus old boy. I don't know what the connecting factor would be <laughs> at all. The word, the word old brought to you by the word old. I would love to, uh, I would love to talk about old boy. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you do old boy versus old boy. Uh, yeah. Although I don't think either one's highbrow. There's got to be you know, a highbrow revenge movie that we oh, could do. Yeah. Um, old boy would be just fascinating. I think it's a uh, also just fucking bug nuts, gross. Movie. And a movie I've never seen, but I've heard about it so much, I basically know. I, I think you would appreciate the experience of watching it. I don't know if you would I, like it because it's I think so I, crazy. I think I would. It's a good movie. I haven't avoided it. Yeah. Um, although I know your whole your whole thing about the Korean movies that the um the they can be kind of too heightened and the tone can be all over the place. Yeah. This is like the apex of that. Oh great. It's yeah. going to be. It's like just like every emotion is played at eleven. It's so great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Do some Rex and uh, get on out of here. Oh Rex, you go first. <laughs> This is fun. It's turning into like a we're naturally evolving a bit where you just don't where I don't know. Yeah, where I don't prepare for the podcast. I prepared in other ways. I'm just gonna like look at my bookshelf for like stuffed. Oh, I thought of one. Okay, All it's right. Fade Out. It's okay. a comic set in for in in the 40s in L.A. about a writer who's in the studio system, and it's a classic noir story. It's really good. That's uh, that sounds like like my soul like I, want, I yeah i think i'm gonna that. actually give it to you to take home if you could when we're done here. i'd really appreciate that yeah. i love uh comic books and anything about old hollywood and noir shit um I mean, shit my record it should just be that um <laughs> side on side on fade out <laughs> um yeah so my recommendation uh i am going to recommend uh the show insecure um i'm oh, watching it SRA. Uh, yes, uh, me and Je- I'm watching it now. Jess is rewatching it with me, um, and um, it's part of like our trade. She's what we're doing, Mr. Robot. I'm rewatching. She's watching for the first time, um, and it's uh, Insecure is really good. I think for a while, like when it came out, there was the whole thing was like, oh, it's basically girls, but like it's uh, you know black women in Los Angeles instead of white ladies in New York. Mm-hmm. And I was like about finished girls, and I remember thinking like, well, I just will finish this show. I don't need to watch the show again. Uh, and I was dumb. Whenever, <laughs> to think that because uh insecure is great and uh very different from girls i think I interesting oh then obviously the you know the young women in in a city yeah i think that's undeniable but i think uh insecure is very i think um less mean than girls is i think it's much right. more serialized i think it tells these very emotional stories uh in a way that's really compelling um also i think Issa Rae is really funny in it and like 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 I think Lena Dunham is hilarious on girls, but in a way that's just like holy shit, this is so cringy. And I think uh, Easter Ray is doing something much different. So um, uh, don't be like me, the idiot who thought he didn't have to watch Insecure because he watched girls. Uh, I watch- feel like you're talking directly to me now. I need to <laughs> um, w- watch them both, but specifically my recommendation is Insecure because I'm in the middle of season two and I'm just really freaking digging it. Great. Um, love it. And uh, I think. That's good. Any, yeah. you know, that's Rate, you know, that's review, subscribe. Yeah. Oh, shit. Normally I say it, but you, yes. you got there. I, I forgot. You. Uh, yes. Rate, review, and subscribe. And, and uh, goodbye bye forever. forever.